Show host Jonathan Joestar Beltran here. Welcome to your backdoor anime hangout. That is Otaku Arley. We are doing a series to honor those in the anime community and industry for their talent, creativity, and boundary-pushing vision, taking anime from where it was to where it is now and further on to the future. In this series, we are going to be focusing on the Academy Award-nominated and critically acclaimed director Mamoru Hosoda. Some of his works include The Girl Who Left Through Time, Summer Wars, Mirai, and the latest in his filmography, Bell. Come and enjoy with your backdoor anime hangout as we talk about an anime legend. Before we start the show, I want to let you all know the views, opinions, beliefs, and statements expressed are not necessarily those of 22 West Radio and Otaku Hourly. They are, in fact, of the host, guest, and or caller. 22 West Radio and Otaku Hourly hold no responsibility for the validity and or accuracy of information. Now with that out of the way, here we go. Nostalgia. What a feeling. It is a moment of joy, of bliss, a sort of window as to say, yeah, this was childhood. It was simple. And it was so, 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 so great. Oh, don't we ever want to go back? No, seriously, do you ever want to go back? Because there's also that feeling whenever you go see a particular movie that you grew up with childhood, you just have this feeling like, I don't know, I feel like it might have been crap. And in this case, it might not only be just the question of, is it crap? And it's not necessarily a Mandela effect. What if it was something completely different? Different, that there were two legitimately different movies. In this episode, we're going to be talking about the tale of two movies, one of which came from director Mamoru Soda, and the other one, a localization effort back in 2000, where we had Fox executives really decide whether or not kids could really understand what anime is. And that's coming in at your Backdoor Anime Hangout. We are 22 West Radio, the next wave of KBH. 22 West Radio is 22westmedia.com. And 88.1 FM, KKJZ HD3, Long Beach, Los Angeles. Coming in at your 9 o'clock hour, it's Otaku Alley, your Backdoor Anime Show host Jonathan Joestar Beltran here. Welcome to your backdoor anime hangout. That is Otaku Arley. I'm here with the crew. I'm Christian Wiseman. And I'm Ramparath. We are talking about something from our childhood, something that we haven't really visited back in a long while since we were babies and little children. And that is the Digimon movie. And I think it's only fair to ask this question uh, what is our expertise on Digimon? Because I'll say this, I only know of Digimon Tamers, and th this movie has nothing to do with it at all. So I'm coming from this in a very basic idea of Digimon. So, uh, oh, 
Go for it. So I have been following Digimon since forever, since it literally dropped here in the U.S. I remember episode one, which was pretty fun. And I pretty much followed the series all the way up to the Frontier series, which is like uh, one, two, three, four uh, different stories. And I, for the most part, I enjoyed it. I love Digimon. Still not, still not at the Pokemon level, but at the, you know, growing up with it, it was Pokemon then Digimon, as far as uh, where my love was for uh, these type of shows. Yeah, me growing up, uh, we kind of built mini cliques. In I remember in elementary school it was like, oh, you like Digimon? Oh, we only like Pokemon or Yu Gi Oh. So like, we don't really right. like that show. So like, you know, like six year olds tend to like fight about the dumbest things, and that's kind of where my where i grew up in in the environment of pokemon is way better because we get to play the game against each other and digimon didn't really have a game at the time oh yeah no it was a fight back in school like on who i was the weird one for liking both but oh no it was definitely a fight what's like, wrong, you, definitely uh, wrong you, you, you were the weird one for liking both but we were also the weird ones for pe playing Beyblade 24-7. Hey, <laughs> hey, that that's me. That's me, too. We I literally was brought out. them to school. We settled arguments over Beyblades. Yep. Heck yeah. <laughs> Bring in our And we all straight up thought we could see each other's bit beasts, and it was fun. How have <laughs> we all had the same experience growing up, but we didn't even know each other? How was that? <laughs> So weird. I don't know. I think we're just we're just like soulmates at this point, you know. We we all just gather true, around with our Beyblades and we just duke it out. Now we're here. We finally get to share about our childhood struggles. So, anyways, talking about struggles, um, we're here to talk about the movie. And allow me to say oh this. Boy. Yeah, I know, right? Allow me to say this. This this is a very big anomaly of a thing because there's it's two different versions that we're dealing with one is the american version the one that we got back in 2000 and then the mamoru hosoda film that we all just had to scrounge around in our nearest internet for and mind you that the american release is three separate movies uh we're going to be focusing on the first two which is directed by mamoru hosoda where the first one is essentially the mystery of the monster. The next one is Digimon and the nuclear possible nuclear annihilation. And then the third one is just teasing into the next generation of Digimon. And so with that being said, just to clear things up, we're going to be focusing on the first two movies within that whole thing. And what better way to start off than with the U.S. version, the one that we got from Fox Kids, of all things. And Rav, I I think you have a you have something to say to to us and the listeners. I felt a certain necessity to scrounge around and write up uh what I I would consider like as an apology letter to everyone out there that had to sit through that movie. Uh. So it goes along the lines of, I feel the need to apologize as a person who was an American child at the time that this dub came out and somehow being of the demographic that Fox was looking at when they wanted to make a dub version for our generation. The, the, the probably is easily entered one of my, uh, my realm of like worst adaptations I've ever seen. And I've seen two films that should not be named, uh, specifically Avatar and Dragon Ball's live action. <laughs> 
Well, I, I personally think the Dragon Ball live action was fun. Uh, <laughs> uh, we're, we're not going to have no. this argument. This is for later. This is for another day, I, but... This is for another day. Yes, but anyways. <laughs> yes, I I will have to agree with you, Rav, on this one. This is this is a horrible adaptation. Like, It feels like corporate executives came in and really thought, huh, what do kids like? I think they like fart jokes. I think they like referential humor. I think they like ska. Let's put in some ska music well, it's, in it's, here. It's man. funny Wild. you say that, though, um, because that actually was the thought of um, TV executives at the time. Um, most notably, the the the. I know this wasn't a four kids uh, a thing, but you know we we all know four kids and hate four kids for what it was. But Alfred Kahn who was the head executive of Four Kids years ago, did say at a convention that the thought was that American children would never understand, well, would never understand anything from Japan. So they need to Americanize it, for one. And also he thought that um, that manga was a problem and people would never read it. So it was definitely the thought of TVSX at the time that kids would never understand anything from Japan just look at the um the classic example that we have from Pokemon, for example, the jelly donut with the uh, uh onigiri rice. <laughs> oh no, rolls. I forgot about that. <laughs> that. That's that's the classic example that I use all the time. And if you're an anime fan, which most it's a jelly most donut. of you are, you know that reference. <laughs> but that was the huge thought of it, and this was definitely a product of that. Unfortunately, having said all of that, though, as a kid. I loved this movie. You know, I, f I feel yeah, the most I betrayal. I loved this movie. Like, the most betrayal <laughs> to me out of all this comes from the fact that Smash Mouth's All-Star is a Digimon song and not a Shrek song first. Right. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> right? And you know what? They beat all the punches with all the meme songs, man. They got, like, the bare naked ladies in there. They got, like, Fat Boy Slim. They got the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Bruh. This soundtrack is it was fun. like full on bangers, man. I even own the soundtrack. Okay. It's so, so but bonkers. There was one song on the entire soundtrack I hated. I skipped it every time. It just felt thrown in for no reason. It, it was the Kids of America song. But oh, that's, yes! That was yeah. what you played at the end credits. There. But yeah. The whole, the whole fiasco with the English version, um, it was... As a kid and watching it again recently, uh, I loved it as a kid. I still kind of like it. I, I hate myself for saying I, it because it has I'm that curious. that charm. It hmm. even though they so, messed it up, all ways they possibly could. Like I've watched the Japanese version, um, the actual real version, and it's night and day different. Um, they just basically took the visuals and change everything up um and then added some type of really poorly timed joke that a five-year-old could not come up with as witty as you'd expect them to be yeah oh yeah that's right that's right. true and i'm sure we'll we'll dive into it in more detail um but it, it yeah. did have a certain charm to it watching it again it you know i think it was more of the nostalgia factor today um it did have some funny moments in it but it at the same time, a lot of things just did not fit well at all mm. uh, on, a, on a more critical level. 
Um, the song choices that they used in the English soundtrack were did not fit whatsoever, really, when you actually look at the grand scheme of the of the movie. And I don't understand. I still don't understand what they did with to the ties, mom. I don't well, understand. She, they, it. they just they just made her a bad cook. No, that's worse than that. <laughs> uh huh. What? What did they I, do? I think they they in the English version they basically did made her an unfit mother. Oh well, entirely. yeah, that's true. That's that's true. Because not only could she not cook, she couldn't figure out where her kids were. She didn't care for her kids. It seemed like that was the impression they were giving. Like her mm. kids were out in the street anywhere, and you don't even. He literally watched the four to six year old child sprint out of the house at three in the morning, and he's just like, "I'm going out." <laughs> yeah. No, like if like uh if mom's worried about the lampshade, she's gonna be worried about her car. The big old <laughs> dinosaur landed on her car. And and how the mom doesn't even go out go to even <clears throat> ask anything. Just mm-hmm. worry about a uh, lampshade. Yeah. It, it was kind of abysmal. Um the English version. All right, you know, I actually want to bring this up though. Uh the Japanese version of the of the film, like that entire scene, uh so as a person that didn't really grow up with Digimon, I didn't really know much of what was happening, uh, but I recognized immediately that this was going to be a prequel movie, and conveniently it was only like 20 minutes, so it's really worth it to watch. If you ever get a chance to yes. watch this, this movie, mm-hmm. it is a definitely worth it movie to watch, even if you've never watched Digimon before in your life. It's a great introduction to the series. In fact, I, I looked at the timelines for the movie. So if you don't know, the Digimon movie that we have here in the U.S. was originally three different movies um, that was combined together by network executives and in the current form that we have now. The first 20 minutes, uh, which if you watch the English version, they classified it as, what, eight years ago or something like that? Like yeah, that eight now. years ago. Um, that was the prequel movie and was released first in Japan. And then literally the next day was the release of the actual Digimon Adventure 1 series, which follows. Oh, so it was actually a prequel to the actual. Okay, cool. I thought it came out after the series as a prequel. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I see what you mean. First, ironically, um, the date was on uh, March 6, 1999, which was my birthday. Um, Oh, oh. So I was. You're literally as old as Digimon. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not older um, because uh, yeah. that came out in 99. So I was six when Digimon came oh, out. Oh, okay, okay. Got you. <laughs> so I now I feel old. Uh, thank you very much. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, that came out nine, uh, uh, March 6, 99. The next day on the 7th was the, uh, I guess they had the, the actual release of the series and that went on for uh for about 50 something episodes uh two se- two japanese seasons uh in that series um so you had that part of the movie which was the prequel that we now know of then you had the second half which was uh an actual movie 40 minutes and that was called uh Digimon the movie fight for the internet or something somewhere along those lines i think it was war game yeah it was war Our game war games there we go Our war games or yeah. Our game, yeah. yeah, and then we had um, the third movie, uh, which I don't remember what it is called off the top of my head. We're probably not going to talk about it much in this episode. Yeah, I mean, it was, um, yeah, it was not a Mamoru Soto film. Yeah, but that's your basic overview of what the what we have in the U.S. as a Digimon movie. That's actually what it originally was. Those three movies combined together, and um, 
they kind of con- they somehow connected them some way. I believe the um first the second two uh second and third are kind of connected. Correct me if I'm wrong. I haven't seen the they they're one barely connected. They're barely connected. Uh, and I'll also say this: the third movie is really hard to find. Uh, subtitled. So just want to make a note on that. The the only connection here with the two movies being the second and third movie is uh the cane named Willis from Colorado because that's a that's a character like the very guy that just somehow wraps itself up neatly in print in quotation marks yeah. uh the whole digimon movie released in the US is already kind of threadbare in its connections they yet. popped off a whole 30 minutes of the movie including major exposition that it like literally you need to understand what like the movie takes place mhm mhm Right, right, right. And they changed the entire plot to somehow connect the third movie to the second movie, but very, very loosely. Right. And by very loosely, I mean when the last Digimon in the second movie died, he says, whatever the kid's name was, Wallace, right? Willis. Willis, there we go. The last Digimon, when he dies, it goes, Willis, or Wallace, or Willis. And then, like, it, it cuts to the third movie, and you're like, wait, what? And then it's just, that's the character's name, and you're like, who are these people? Yeah, I <laughs> like, mean, that's my impression. <laughs> no, 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 I'll add on to that's that. Exactly there was a right. part in the second movie where they were just looking into the whole, uh, when they were just getting announcements that a missile has been launched, uh, one of them was just like, a missile's being launched in Colorado, and Ty's like, what's in Colorado? And Izzy's like, I don't know, I don't think anything important. <laughs> and here's... I, I think that was just added for the US version. I No no, yeah, completely. Yeah. Which as everything had to be a yeah. joke. They literally had to like it was one of the biggest uh I'm gonna detract from a second, but this is like one of the biggest things that bothered me the most about the last Star Wars trilogy. They tried to give it the Avengers treatment and throw in a like a, a, a stupid dad joke or some type of joke in every little piece of dialogue in Star Wars and it really didn't match up with the tone. And like that, that was literally the big problem of the English stuff for this movie. They kept throwing in some type of witty joke in every single scene and jokes that nobody would understand. I literally um, didn't plug, didn't figure this out till very recently. Um, the joke of what's in Colorado that is NORAD's headquarters. Um, and yeah, and that was. So NORAD is the uh, North American uh, Defense Air Space people, basically the military. It's uh, U.S. and Canada, Canada and Mexico joint thing where they basically watch over the whole uh, North American continent of the airspace. Look for, mil- for missiles, missiles and, and all that stuff. But they're also mostly known for tracking Santa on around Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. So that's based in Colorado Springs, Colorado. So mm. that was more of a joke for the parents that knew about it because remember at the time, you know, just before that was, you know, their parents were probably around with the Cold War. So they had like enough the uh, duck and cover the desks and all that stuff. And so they would know that the headquarters for all that would be in Colorado. So that was more of a joke for the parents out there and not really for the kids watching on far as what is in Colorado and why is there a missile headed to Colorado? That so, makes sense. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, so that, they kind of just threw that up in there. And um, I never picked it up as a kid. 
because I didn't know that existed. Why would I know that existed? <laughs> um, <laughs> Unless you are actually no want to know about nuclear missiles. <laughs> yeah, no, like, anyone got time for that? I got problem. I got uh, uh um, I got kindergarten problems and first grade problems to deal with. That, you got uh, you got to fight to settle with Beyblades through that, okay? Uh huh. Yeah, but let's also be real. Even as adults, what's in Colorado? <laughs> Oh, absolutely nothing. Yeah. Um, other than, <laughs> exactly. See? Other than, you know, NORAD's headquarters, but yeah. ain't no one willingly going to Colorado. Yeah, they threw, they threw in random stuff like that, though, uh, throughout the entire U.S. version. and yeah. Not even just the jokes, though. Uh, another thing that really bothers me is uh, the narrator, Hikari, right? Yeah, yes. she yes. She literally ruins some of the scenes before they happen she gives the exposition for the scene is like as the narrator before the actual scene happens in our screen so we're ruined by the the actual plot twist like i remember in the first movie like watching the dub version right mm -hmm. um she said something right before so the scene before uh agumon digivolves into Greymon, right uh and blow and like destroys the bridge like a couple of seconds before that she says and somehow the Digimon happened to digivolve into some things that are bigger. And then we see it digivolve into the thing, into Greymon that br breaks the bridge, right? And I'm like, you could have just let us see that. You didn't yes. have to spoil the yeah. whole movie for Like, that was literally one of the big plot points of the first movie. And she just says that seconds before it happens on screen because it's supposed to be like the prequel. And I'm like, you literally ruined the whole first movie. The pacing of the first movie was actually really good. Yes, like Mauro Hosoda does a very great job of using stress, or in my opinion, uh, the way I saw it, he does a very great job of utilizing stress as a narrative vehicle to drive the plot through. As in, uh, uh, he he builds stress by like placing children in these very very like scary circumstances, right? Like a giant monster that the kids were taking care of that they thought was their friend is suddenly a monster shooting fireballs at helicopters and phone boxes you know what i mean and these kids like go out and they're, they're standing right under this monster and it's like th this thing is like their cat that's going on a rampage and the mm -hmm. kids have this like sense of responsibility over the whole situation right but no in the in the dub it's got to be like butt joke and fart joke and then ruin the exposition and then hey let's get into the second movie <laughs> i was yeah. like you, you butchered the whole first movie too and the pacing in the first movie was so good and to add on to that um the whole the whole thing of kari talking the entire time in the first half of the english uh, um, dub uh that didn't happen in the original Jap uh, japanese version because Kari was a baby, so she really didn't know too many words at the time. She used her whistle more than anything. Mm -hmm. And um, that's one thing like I really like that you know the director decided to use silence also to really push the story. Um, sure, they had a little bit of you know music that was completely different than what we got here in the U.S. Um, and they basically used the same song about five times. But the silence of just nothingness for a few seconds here or there that really helped to like you said push that element of that stress that hey something is happening here something weird that should not be happening is happening and i felt like we missed that here in the u.s unfortunately because they wanted to you know americanize everything and like you said have you know fart jokes and this and that 
and <laughs> it it really missed the mark um as on a more critical level and it's it's stuff like this is really makes me understand why we have the sub versus dub argument and, and more on that right after the break <laughs> I want you to listen to Otaku Hourly or anything. Baka. Co-host Jonathan Joseph Beltran here with Christian Wiseman and your boy Ravareth. Welcome back to your backdoor anime hangout. That is Otaku Warily. As we talk about this whole mishmash and the cold kind of complication that is Digimon the movie. A movie that is kind of emblematic of our childhood back in the 2000s. And we're talking about it now. And there's a particular topic that I personally felt was really not only just important, but also intriguing. And Christian... You were talking about this whole sub versus dub argument. Tell tell us more yes. about that. So we all know this sub versus dub argument. Oh, subs are better. Dubs are be better. Normally, I am the type of person where I never like to get involved with this argument because I think it is terrible. Looking at today's product, it doesn't really matter which is better because they both tell the same story today. And today... We've definitely gotten better at it. Yeah. And today, things flow. Uh, today there's a higher standard of making sure everything matches perfectly. The the lips match, the wording matches for the most part. It's a very high standard. And not only that, anime has become much more mainstream. Yes, as, it's uh, become mainstream. So, like, you actually have people that know everything about it. So it's a lot harder to change things. But back in '99, it was a free for all. You had many shows that would full-on change up everything um, about a show. Uh, like I said earlier, we were talking about four kids briefly. They were, I guess I guess the word would be most infamous for doing things like that, of changing um, things out entirely. Um, Saban was guilty of it too, which I believe this was a, a title Saban had at the time. And um, they would, a lot of things like that would happen back in this day. And... Things like the Digimon movie that we received here compared to the original, they really make me understand why we still have this argument of sub versus dub. Because back then, you had two different stories, and it really didn't need to be. Um, the story that was originally being told was good enough. It could have been and should have been rightfully released in that format um, to... American audiences because kids would have definitely understood what was happening. It wasn't written in a way where uh, it was something highbrow and there's no way anybody would be able to understand. There was so minimal dialogue in the first Digimon movie. Like you so could little. in some way probably even removed all the dialogue entirely and still have had a very, very compelling and strong yeah. movie. And Absolutely. That, that really speaks to the direction of, yeah, and speaking of direction, we literally have two kaijus fighting with like a bunch of kids overwatching from their high rise apartments. And somehow, the most like pivotal moment in the entire film, the, the climax of the fight scene, was two kids blowing on a whistle. 
Like, yeah, how do you make two kaiju in the era of like kaiju? You know what I mean? Yep. Like Japanese animation at the time. You think of Japan, you think like Gundams. I think at the time, like that was like the '90s, right? <laughs> you know. Yep. And you you have these two giant monsters fighting each other. What's cooler than two giant monsters fighting each other in the '90s? Let's be real here. Power Rangers, I guess. But what was that? <laughs> giant robot fighting giant monster. Yep. yep. <laughs> so what was cooler to us back then? And somehow you still had the masterful direction to take the 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 climax of the problem and put it back, put the control of the situation back between the two kids and they just blow that whistle and you're like, holy, we have two monsters here and these kids are the coolest part of this whole fight right now. <laughs> oh yeah, not, not only that, yeah, like the whistle is like really like uh like you mentioned rav it's so pivotal because in the like the first leg of that 20 minute movie like that whistle was used to communicate with that digimon at its like infancy mm -hmm. and whatnot and you don't need words all it needed was just some kind of familiar sound and pattern. <laughs> that's what i meant yeah. it was like yeah. you could literally just remove most of the dialogue and just uh, honestly most of that dialogue was probably even ad-libbed you know I mean? yeah exactly probably. yeah on that particular scene where these two kids are just blowing the whistle like for me my heartstrings were tugged when i i saw like kari just kind of uh trying to whistle but was just kind of like wheezing oh, yeah, yeah. out that of the exact it. scene yeah yeah it's for me falling it, it under just... the chaos and the heavy emotional impact of being in this very scary situation yeah. and then ty just takes it upon himself to like we got to do this grabs the whistle and then <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, and what was crazy too, I, I was doing some research about this. Like, of course, this is the pilot of the Digimon movie, but I really want to make an emphasis here. Like, this was a bold move for Mamoru Hosoda and just the Digimon franchise because, like, it is one, it's going up against like some of the big ones, like, you know, Pokemon and yeah, all I was that other stuff. Directly competing against yeah. Pokemon. They didn't even greenlight the series then. So this was kind of like the first thing that people are going to see, especially in a film festival. And this, uh, even though like the the pilot is tone wise is vastly different from the actual series. I just want to say like this uh, by itself is such a great standalone. And uh, honestly, it just envelops the kind of mystery of like, what are these Digimon? What kind of potential do they have? As we see, like that you can make, you can forge bonds with them, uh, a la through the whistle. And in addition to that, the kind of power, the kind of might that they could do, like they evolve at such a gargantuan size. You know, could... speaking to that size aspect, it's actually something that I've noticed in a lot of Hasoda's like works. I, I'm going to go off on a little limb and like my, my own little segment here. But I personally think that Hasoda really shows off his ability to direct perspective and this in this movie mm -hmm. specifically it also being one of his debut films or it, it is his debut yes. film isn't it yeah right like this was the first film he produced this like as a director yeah. uh through with toe right um he does this thing with perspective if you really pay attention to the way that the film is shot everything is taken from a very low angle we're under beds we're under tables we're looking up at the ceiling where you can see mm -hmm. like Agumon wasn't that big, but we're looking up From the at viewpoint him, of children. You know what I mean? Like we see the underside of his chin as he towers over the two children walking through the city streets, right? Like we're in the perspective of the kids when like we see the world like 
like it's bigger than the kids are and it's bigger than what we expect to be of like the world you know we see like our world and it's like oh okay we, we got to go into the main city but we see it in this anime and we're like dang this apartment building is massive agumon is massive and greymon is triple massive and it like you said it really does speak to it like it, everything's at the eye level of children and even when they're fighting in the uh when we've switched to like some of the other kids that are in the apartment building we're still seeing it at their eye level on whatever floor they happen to be on and you can still right. get that same scale and perspective that man these things are huge oh, yeah. and i think that is just beautiful yeah, that... and then speaking on that perspective he also does this thing where he places the audience as a part of the film itself and he did that with uh, the second movie as well um and by that argument what i mean is uh you see these kids watching from their high-rise apartments, looking down at the kaiju fight, turning the city almost into like an arena type setting, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like we're all in a stadium, which is our city, looking down at the two kaiju fighting each other. And in the second movie, he changes the audience from just the bunch of kids that are looking down from their apartments into literally the entire planet watching it, watching the entire fight happen through the internet. But then he does a thing where he not only digivolves the monsters that are the Digimon that are, that are fighting inside the actual internet itself, but he digivolves the characters into being something more than just the audience by incorporating them into the Digiworld, really separating us as like the spectators and the characters, and like putting their their role in the film as the main characters as above everyone else. If that makes sense, and it, it's it's this really cool perspective of seeing like. We're not only it it, it evolve it kind of in a way digivolves the audience of watching the movie is part of the movie itself. We are witnessing it. We're like they're witnessing it through their internet, but we're witnessing them witness it through their internet. And I feel it's kind of like an interactive way to see the digi world, and it makes it feel more real in a way. Like you see this, and you're like, oh dang, the digiverse is cool, but it's just right there. And the obvious calls to like so, so this is like early internet era, right? And it makes the internet sound like a place that is going to continue to evolve. And at, at some point, you really want to see something like that exist. I would say, like, the same feeling I have right now when I look at SAO. Not saying that SAO is, like, the greatest anime of all time. But I will also say that I would totally want to exist in, like, a virtual world like that. Like, where you could just grab a sword and start swinging at a monster. That would be so As long cool. as I'm not in the one where, you know... Yeah, as one. long as you're not yeah. the one that's getting locked in there forever, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I don't want that one. But at but. the same time, like, you, like that VR right now, if you look at VR from our perspective right now, it's really what he did with the internet back in the day. Like, Hosoda took this movie and created this space where kids would look at the internet and think, dang, I want to exist in the digi world right now. And he really built up the the entire fandom of like wanting to exist and self-insert into the anime that you 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 really love, you know? Yeah, to some degree, it really makes me think like this movie, how Hosoda crafted it uh, in his original vision is, it's very ahead of its time, especially considering it was back in 2000. Like, yeah, no, watching it, I just thought to myself like, this is the internet. And it's Definitely. crazy somebody was able to not only just conceptualize this, but also put it in a, into like concrete media and communicate it with such clarity. It's beautiful. Yeah, I was watching a little interview. Uh, apparently, in a Digimon book in 2001, Hasoda explained, uh, my goal is to depict unrealistic things in a very realistic way. 
And he does that very well in the first Digimon film, like depicting the problems of caring for something that grows to become way too big really fast. And like, though these unbelievable creatures are appearing, like Greymon and what is it, Parrotmon, right? Like the way that the characters act in the first movie are like completely believable. They're just two kids mm -hmm. freaking out that their little pet escaped and is destroying the city. And like everything about that movie actually felt realistic. Like it could have happened. It's really weird to say that about an anime, but like I look at this and it's like giant monster appeared in the sky and your little giant monster just evolved and is trying to protect you. I'm like, dang, I can totally see this happening if like this was like an alien and you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, totally. Christian, you were about to say something. Basically about to agree with the whole thing as well. Um, it's, it's just massively done. And I also want to make a comparison to another one of um, Soda's work. I don't know if, if you guys have seen Summer Wars. I know we're definitely going to uh, talk about it in another episode. But the art style is very similar between the second movie and Summer Wars when they go to the internet. It's almost one for one in a way. And I think that's pretty cool. There's like alone. a weird inkling in my head that Summer Wars just kind of existed as the version of, what was it, War Game? Our War Game, right? Yeah. It's like Summer Wars exists as the version of our war game that Hosoda wanted to direct without the limits and the, 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 like the limits that were imposed on by Toei. You know I mean? Yeah, we're not going to say it was, but you know, this tiny little inkling in my brain that says that Summer Wars was his actual pet project that he wanted to release. He like wasn't satisfied with our war game and was like, I'll just make it again. <laughs> and which when you look at the uh, premise of both those two movies, they're very similar. Mm -hmm. uh, where in Summer Wars you had uh, uh, Cosma, uh, who was an avatar for I can't remember which character. It's been a minute since I've seen that one too. But they're basically fighting another computer virus of someone else's that uh, character that went rogue. <laughs> the stakes are exactly the same. The type of monster is exactly the same. The way that they connect to the internet is exactly the same. The countdown timer, the way that the monsters fight in a giant whitescape. I'm bringing up whitescapes again because this was they did it again. You know, like. Right. Whitescape internet, bright colors, red outline avatars fighting each other. And when they beat each other, they, they both look up, they scream, and then they slam the enter button and stop the code in the very last two seconds. Then the giant missile or satellite lands in water, causing a spout to go up, making it look like it's raining. It's literally shot one for one in both movies. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I guess if, if it's if it's done once beautifully, you may as well do the same thing beautiful again. And that's exactly what happened. And I love both movies. I really do. One of the things that I really want to emphasize as like a really great thing that he does for both movies, the narrative vehicle for the tension that builds up is stress. They they have all the means in both films, our war game and in Summer Wars, they have the means to counteract this virus, right? They have the support of the like global community all interconnected via the internet which was like really incredible when i really think about when our war game came in or uh, was released it's very ahead of its time and very future thinking you know what i mean like th that that movie is just as applicable as it was then as it is today you know mm -hmm. if a giant super skynet virus went into the internet and started taking com control of the like the, our, our our nuclear warhead system that that movie is going to exist you know it can still exist and that trope i think this is one of the very first times we see this trope and it's still one of the most used tropes in cinema today like the way that hasoda directs the film's like 
tension is through stress. And a lot of the movie emphasizes on the fact that we, we can't connect to everyone. No matter how interconnected we are, we can't always connect to someone. You know, in our war game, he spends a lot of the time trying to call the person and then the like the electrical surges are happening and you can't connect to the person or they're straight up just ignoring your calls and you can't connect to the person that you need to talk to to get your thing done. All the barriers that exist stopping you from just talking to the person you need to or getting the answer that you need to solve it, like it builds up and you you see like every character trying to go through hurdles just to get an answer. I just think it was very, very masterfully put because I, I watch those movies and I'm like at the edge of my seat, like, oh my God, just answer your phone, dude, please. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add this too, I'll add this too. Like <laughs> even some of the people who are just like around, like don't even know what's what's at stake right now. Like, yeah, the mom, and, like- Yeah, nobody like, understands what, uh -uh. like this is, this is a nuclear threat right now. And everyone's just like, huh, what's that? <laughs> yeah, or even like the mom, yeah, it's like mom's like, do you want oolong tea? It's like, no, mom, you don't understand. You should call your friends. Oh, I got this postcard. Mom, you don't understand. This is really important. Okay, honey, you want you want some snacks? And that's and that's a really cool thing. All the young people understand what's happening. The old, but the older people are like, oh, is it, everything be fine? Yeah, like let's I, continue about our day. Yeah, like I don't understand computers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the only inconvenience is, you know, your grocery bills being like over a million dollars or a million yen, um, and you better pay up somehow. Yeah, and your Ferris wheel ride that keeps spinning and spinning and spinning. I was surprised watching just the original 40-minute uh, movie, Our War Game, just, it, it's... It's such a... There's a lot to unpack it, here. It's such a good, concise, and even like... I would argue like a still a great standalone film, yes. even though it is like it still ha has some connections with the uh, original Digimon uh, adventure. It's still self-contained enough that you can yeah, know. Like, yeah, who these uh, absolutely. Are. As a person yeah. that again, I'll mention it again, still has not watched Digimon the series. I I completely understood every character and their motivations and their connections between each other just by context alone. Right. And you know what? Yeah. I, 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 yeah, go ahead. Oh no, I'm I'm agreeing, and um, I, later we'll got we'll have to get you to watch um the series as well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, deep dive. We, yeah. What we may have to do though, um, yes, have to have you watch the version that I've seen as a kid, and then we'll both go back and watch the Japanese one because we all know it is different. True, true, true. <laughs> so, so what which we I, which I do believe that's why they also created the Digimon Adventure. 2000 uh oh yeah the new no, series what was it the what try was it, 2020 Digimon adventure try yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well, well they did try and it's try. also yeah there's try but there's also um they rebooted the original adventure one series hmm. interesting Digimon. so i think mm -hmm. and so i believe that might have been as a response after people after word got out now with the internet and everything being what it is Oh right, yeah. It they got did discovered that, it. yeah. It got discovered that the U.S. community does not know the real story of Digimon, because of what we had with Saban and Four Kids, and companies of that nature basically rewriting everything. So they have to retell us, reteach us the story of the original shows, so we can actually understand what is happening. Mm, yeah, no. So, I'll, mm -hmm. I haven't watched. I haven't seen the news. The new reboot of um adventure uh yet because well there's i just haven't had the time with 
everything being out at the same time. Right. Um, and my current MMO addiction, which is Final Fantasy fourteen. But um <laughs> but surprise you definitely have asked the login my... cues, man. <laughs> oh, I it's it, it's crazy. We'll have to talk about that later. Um, but <laughs> it is um truly though beautiful that the Digimon series is still continuing today with you know with pretty much the same popularity if a little bit more than it was back in the day and i am so happy that it's still going on and because um, it is truly an amazing series mm. yeah honestly again if you haven't watched it yet watch the original film in japanese completely ignore the dub you're you're golden mm. and you're probably but, gonna get really uh, into it <laughs> but but we'll, if you we'll want have... the memes watch the english version too and there is a lot of memes that you can pull out of that. And more on that right after the break. Hey, this is Mike McFarlane, and you're listening to Otaku Hourly. Show host Jonathan Joestar Beltran with the crew. Christian Wiseman. And Ravarath. Welcome back to your backdoor anime hangout. That is Otaku Warily. We were just talking about the Digimon movie. Uh, and Christian brought up a point once again about memes. So tell us about this whole oh, meme yes. thing. Well, the entire English version of the uh, movie is one giant meme. Um, just from the get go, if, if you were like me and you owned the tape, you remember the VHS things that you had with the big, the big machine where you put the tape in there with the big sign that says, be kind, please rewind. If you got it from Blockbuster. Yeah. Well, um, (laughs) the original, because this aired on Fox Kids. They had to have a crossover to another show, which wasn't even on Fox Kids. If I, I don't know what you're talking about. There was a an Angela and Anaconda yes! short yes! that was that yes! preceded the English version of the Digimon movie. Angela Anaconda, yeah, Angela Anaconda. For those that remember, I think that it was aired so on creepy. Uh, ABC. Everyone looks so depressed. Yes, yes, and. I loved Angela Anaconda as a kid. I loved it. Can't say same. I thought <laughs> <laughs> I could still I still know the know the words of this of the theme song. Oh my lord! Um, my name is Angela. Hey, hello. <laughs> anyway, but that's for never day or time. Uh, probably never on tape. Wait, actually. we'll have we'll um, have it on a, as an anime review one day. <laughs> I am in you pain. Will ne- you will not catch me. You will not catch me doing a cover of that song on tape. <laughs> what, Nick? What? You're the meme on here, Jeff. We don't. I don't need to be memed. <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, we'll fight about this later. But <laughs> I just realized. I okay. I'm so glad I have the original tape because I can delete anything of me singing it. I um, hate you so but, much. <laughs> It, but, but yeah, back to the thing. Like they had the Angela and Anaconda short on it, which aired on ABC, if I remember correctly. Um, I could be wrong because it was literally that long ago. 
and I don't care enough to look it up. Um, but that aired beforehand, and they created a, a really, really bad, cheesy five-minute short on that, which didn't really fit well. It, in hindsight, is probably good for in theaters because it brought you know IPs and stuff t- together, but in the, it didn't work at all in the um once it came out in tape. But Literally. they put it on there, mm-hmm. and so if if you want. Uh, to watch something very bad, so look that up. Did you, uh, search the nearest internet because you aren't going to find this anywhere. Um, it's it's long since no one has this on print. So you got to search your local internet. Yeah. Type in Angela Anaconda Digimon movie. Yeah, and I, it should come right up. Yeah, I remember like it, like the whole fight is it's not even like faithful to Digimon. It literally is just Angela Anaconda just growing bigger and just fighting giant mom robot. <laughs> And with all her other uh, friends, just like you know, insert name you know and then that, Mon. I'm Mon. That was the teacher. <laughs> yeah, that was, was the teacher. That was the teacher. Yes. Oh my God. With uh, Nanette Memoir, who was you know Angela Anaconda's uh, schoolyard enemy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, got it. Thank you, uh, Rav. You're about to say something. No, I just said what timeline am I in? <laughs> Yeah, no, all of this, all of this was on the thing. It, yeah. it, it was as weird as it sounded. Oh yeah, uh, oh yeah. And allow me to say, like, uh, I'll say this as as a uh, as someone who loves looking at like in terms of like the media history of things, I still would recommend watching like the tooth, like the whole Digimon movie, how like how it was released in America, for the sake of seeing just how how of the time anime was kind of perceived it's like this is what execs thought kids would see it they how very, execs thought they about very anime. much look down on us <laughs> yeah yeah it, very it, much yeah it's a very it's a very cynical way of looking at it yet at the same time i just think at this particular moment like it's just a fascinating thing just to see kind of like the night and day shift from mamra Hosoda's digimon movie to fox's digimon movie which i i think it's probably the more apt way of putting it fox's uh digimon movie it's just yeah. this whole mishmash of different uh of i would pretty probably much... yeah, i'd probably bring it back a little bit more to saban as a whole yeah saban um saban also had like the power rangers which they Changed entirely as well um, to fit a U.S. audience. Hey, um, we we're not gonna go into this Power Rangers now, are we? Because I love Power Rangers. <laughs> no, no, we're not going to do this. Not going to do this today. This will be another episode. Um, which don't get me wrong, I loved it too. Um, Super Sentai. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not you know Saban and companies like that did a lot of things um, that today would not fly. Uh, that's with, true. That's true. Uh, adaptation studios nowadays have a lot more power a lot more say uh as far as what happens with their product uh where back in the day network executives didn't care um you know you had maybe five channels in the u.s that showed it if that and whatever they stayed went as far as getting their product overseas and unfortunately it was the u.s product that was then distributed to the world which um that's an that's for another day never time which i may if i may interject here just quick would you guys want to see 
like Mamoru Hosoda's original like Digimon movie localized. Uh, the yes. twenty minute one. If we can see one. the original one like as exactly as intended. Yes. Yeah, because at this current point in time, we the only legal copy you have is just the Bond Digimon movie, which doesn't even have the Japanese track. It is just straight up English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there's can no see way the original fit. intended director's cut, but like in English voiced. No, 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 no. There's it's literally just Digimon movie. Uh, whatever you got from that uh, theatrical release, there isn't. You can't find the. You can't find the the subtitled version of Mamoru Hosoda's original vision of the 20-minute and 40-minute one. You just have to go to your nearest internet for that. Oh, I see. Yeah, so there was no dub. It was literally just scouring your way through the through the internet archives to find this yeah, thing. Yeah, that's, that's the only way we, really, we were really able to watch it and prepare for this review. Um, we had to... We, we don't really like to use our local internets. We like to, you know use the correct outlets to watch our uh, watch our anime um but this was one of those times when unfortunately we had to resort to the local internet to try to find something so we can actually review it right and, uh, which which does suck right and but, with with just this whole resurgence of like digimon like in my own heart just screaming out into the interwebs please someone pick this up and localize please. this it it is like what better time than now where's Funimation at yeah Where, exactly where's viz media yeah exactly where where's tms i need to let them know sentai y'all can do this too exactly I'm, you know we, we don't care which 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 house does it mm-hmm. crunchyroll discotech um, media come on we don't care just please somebody yes please 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 do with that being said Show host Jonathan Joseph Beltran with the crew. I'm Christian Wiseman. And I'm Ravrath. We'll see you all at the next Backdoor Anime Hangout that is Otaku Wireley. Peace out, y'all.